Welcome to the pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBAO. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So this is the first time in a while we've been together in the studio, which is exciting. Kristen just had her eyes dilated. Yeah, I didn't plan today. Great. She's (laughs) flying a little blind. (laughs) Literally flying blind. I'm feeling pretty good about myself because usually I'm coming in like hot – you know, hot from the airport or from whatever, you know, sandwiched between two briefings and who knows. Um, and I feel like, you know, I've, I've read all the stuff. So, you know, flying blind, like, you know, you might argue some people are when they're trying to defend with the president's, you know, various, <laughs> I, various I, actions. I'm going to be relying on, on you today to tell me I'm ready. what the numbers say. I'm totally I can ready. see that on this Democratic presidential nomination chart, there is a brown line that has moved up. Yeah. And I think that's Elizabeth Warren. But we, we can we can discuss. You're going to yes. you're have to carry me. I did also get off a plane this morning. I It was one of those, like, you book the 6 a.m. flight home from Des Moines thinking, like, that'll be fine. And then you realize you got to leave your hotel at, like, 4.45. Yeah, that's like, basically what I do. Nope, that's- nope. Mistakes were made. Um, but yesterday I was in Des Moines at Simpson College, which is cool. just south of Des Moines. I think it's south. I didn't have a compass on, actually. I did not Google map this myself. I believe it was south. Uh, in Indianola, and it was lovely. I got to talk to the Culver Fellows there, which are by and large a group of students who are all former debate kids or current debate kids in college. Uh, so it was wonderful. Did you feel like you were with your people? I felt like I was with my people. Mm. It was Is that delightful. kind of like how I felt at the Tacoma Park Street Festival this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Where like every stand was selling something with RBG on it. <laughs> it's like like it was half like most of it was an RBG festival. <laughs> like they had like you could like if you wanted to like join whatever group or learn more information about whatever like mortgage company or like nonprofit had a booth there and if you spun something you get a candy and my kids were like we're going here it's like I'm like okay we're now Adventists and like in the Rotary Club like what's happening like what is going on can you please stop spinning things for candy anyway that's that's probably it's kind of like how you felt Uh, Yes. Well, so this week's top lines, we're going to dig into what's going on in the Democratic primary, some continued shifts on that front, as well as uh, some pretty interesting return to stability for the president's job approval. But we'll dive into what the latest in impeachment polling, as well as general election polling, is showing. Then Pew has put out a new study on what people think about socialism and capitalism. And we will wrap the show by talking about something else that socialist most horrible vegetable <laughs> beets. Monster. Hashtag <laughs> never beets. Monster. Um, okay. First, we're going to check in with the primary. I mean, the primary polling is con- is showing the trend now we've seen for a while. This isn't a recent trend. This is a trend we've seen for a while with Warren surging to be now in the RCP average and in the last Quinnipiac poll and in some of the other recent national polls to be ahead of Biden, not by a lot, but by a sliver. I got uh, reprimanded on my own Sirius XM radio show by friend of the show, Patrick Murray of Mm. Monmouth, because I, in the latest Monmouth poll, hang on, I'm going to scroll to find this. Uh, yes. Warren plus three. I'm zooming in so I can see the number. Yeah. It was Warren plus three. And I characterized that as Warren pulling into the lead. And he stopped mm. me and said, ah, 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 Kristen, you know better. They're still very close. That is still within margin of error. Don't go running out there like it's a lead. Fair and enough. Like, and you are correct. So and we don't pick our primaries here that I was reprimanded on my own show. It's tempting. It is tempting. I mean, three points is not nothing. And also, it's the movement. But anyway, we don't pick our nominee based on national, uh, like a one-day national vote. Fact. So, but it doesn't pick our president that way. Yes, it turns out. Not right now. We don't. But anyway, so, (laughs) um, so 
Anyway, the pattern, though, is true if you look at the national polling or the statewide polling. It, there's not something particularly new in that front. Well, Quinnipiac um, showed the same thing, Warren plus yeah. three, and that one just dropped. That's a piping hot, fresh out the oven yes. poll. Yes, 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 yes. We'll see how things evolve. And also we have a debate coming up, and does that scramble things further? One thing that I saw while I still had my eyesight was uh, Nate Silver posting that he he is frustrated with the coverage of the Democratic primary at the moment because he feels like there's so much focus on Biden collapsing uh, that is not borne out in the data, which if I'm looking at this green line correctly, it does not look like Biden is collapsing right. in the data. Um, that if anything, it is Harris. It is a fairly sharp decline over the last week for Sanders, um, as well as, you know, someone like Beto O'Rourke. What color line is he? Is he the pink line? Well, yes, he's the pink line. He's one of the pink lines. And we should note that the Sanders polling, this is not reflective of the news last week from his heart attack um, because the polling actually came out before all that news was fully Yes. Permeated. So that has this is not a drop that is caused by the health it issue. It doesn't seem to be it looking at these preceded states. the health issue. Yes. So keep an eye on that for sure. Um, but it it is more, I think, a story of Warren surging than it is a story of Biden falling, at least over the last couple of months. Oh, that Nate Silver always throwing out sunbeams to coverage. <laughs> That's his thing. <laughs> I'm giving a bunch of attaboys to everybody. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think – I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, look, you know, you also have like, you know, folks who had a big moment when they announced and is that a high watermark that then everything after that is seen as like a drop that is because of something or was the announcement bump the thing that, you know, was kind of outside the – where their natural state was. So let's take a quick look at President Trump's job approval. Um, the most recent tracking from Real Clear Politics has that at, zooming in, 43%. Uh, disapproval at 54%. That's a bit of a drop. That's like continuing to drop. Uh, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it doesn't look like a huge, huge change over the past week. Like it depends on what are we counting as a big drop. No, I, it's I feel still like, in the band. It's still in the band of normal. Yeah. The and, band of abnormal. Um, general election polls are also still telling a pretty consistent story, which is that Donald Trump gets about 40 to 42 percent in the averages of his matchups against all three of the major contenders um, on the Democratic side, Warren, Biden and Sanders. Um, his, so that does not appear, at least in the Quinnipiac polling, to have changed a great deal. It looks as though the Warren number, like if you're if you're looking at him, the Quinnipiac poll is showing Warren up by four. Eight. Uh, okay. Oh, Quinnipiac. I'm poll blind. Eight. I'm blind. I could be no, wrong. No, no. Quinnipiac <laughs> poll was eight. Sorry, the average was four and a half. The Quinnipiac um, poll was eight. So, you know, there's a chance Quinnipiac is showing it looks as though it's showing pretty good news for the uh, Democratic opponents to Trump. But it's just one poll, just one data point. And, you know, the other thing that's worth noting, and I didn't include I didn't include the Trump versus Buttigieg or all the other head to heads that are often asked in the national polls because they aren't all they're not all asked frequently enough. So there wasn't as much recent tracking numbers on the other general election matchups. But that doesn't mean I mean, it, it, what what that tells all this tells you about the general election head to heads is what the national polling outlets think is worth including, or they have time for and space for in their surveys. Um, I think you know the numbers when you have Trump versus some of the other candidates that are not as well known nationally still showed Trump in trouble. I mean, I think that's that's still true. It's really a function of who gets asked a lot and what the hard ideas of those folks and where people who don't know the Democratic nominee and some of those other matchups, where do they go, which is not always released in the crosstabs. Tell me about this poll of Montana that we've got here in the script. Because yes. this, from what I can see, it looks, <laughs> which is not much. No, this is okay. It, I, I feel like now we're like an even, evenly matched in our <laughs> understanding of what's in the script. I've got a, I've got a vision debuff on that's going to take about an hour more to wear off. Um, Steve Bullock 
up by four over Trump in Montana. Yeah, so this is the Big Sky poll, which is done by the University of Montana and uh, our firm. We're part of Team Bullock uh, polling team. And so the uh, Big Sky poll asked head-to-heads um, – uh, they had five head-to-heads, so Trump versus Biden versus Warren, Sanders, Harris, and Bullock. And the only Democratic candidate to win in that matchup was Bullock, 52, Bullock, 48, Trump. Um, Trump was at 54 to 55 mm-hmm. against all the other candidates. No real difference at all between how Harris, Sanders, Warren, or Biden performed at all. So there's just a difference between Bullock versus the rest of the field. I- I'm fascinated by this because it appears that there is no don't know – option or that nobody chose it, that people Mm. all have. I mean, these all these percentages all add up to 100, which is fine, I think, and actually kind of interesting forcing people to make this choice. It also to me, though, is interesting that if you look at Sanders, Warren, Harris and Biden, there's very little difference between how all four of them perform versus Trump. So we spend so much time talking about electability and, oh, who would be the best to take on Trump? And this is one in a number of polling data points that really suggests that, like, it doesn't matter who you're matching Trump up against. Trump's number stays pretty much the same. It's just a question of if you haven't heard of the person, do you say don't know versus Warren or don't know versus Biden or Sanders? So here, just taking the don't know away – really exposes how, you know, this looks to be like a referendum on the incumbent. Um, All of these Democrats tend to be polling against him about the same. That's just one poll. It's just one state. But it is an online survey. So that may change what you think of having a don't know option in there a little bit where you are required. You could be required. It's not clear. You know, are you required to have pick one or the other versus if you're on the telephone, somebody may just say don't know and there might be a volunteer yep. in brackets. We've got a really know. fun volunteer here coming up later in the script that I read. <laughs> that are, Do you know which one I'm talking about? No, I don't think so. Oh, we'll get there. You'll. It's a volunteered answer that you're going to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we come back after the break, you'll hear what people are volunteering to pollsters that I am certain Marty is going to enjoy. <laughs> Okay. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Okay, we're back. So let's talk about impeachment. Where let's what's what's going on in the 538 impeachment support tracker? Okay, so let's catch every so first thing, you know, we'd love to hear people's thoughts on Twitter, right? Because as we're going through, you know, we have this new format that we've been trying to we've been experimenting with since we came back from the summer break, um, where we're focusing the show on like one big topic. And that was really that we were enjoying that. And now that one big topic is impeachment, like that's kind of the big topic. There's there are a zillion polls on impeachment. I don't know if all of our listeners are huffing on the impeachment fumes (laughs) on Twitter all day. Maybe you are. You know, I don't know if everybody is. Hopefully you're not all. But I suspect a good chunk of you are. So that's just the bulk of what the real estate is in all the public polls right now. So that's why we're spending a lot of time on this. And so there's a lot of new stuff just every day. There's a new impeachment poll. There's three or four that have come out at least since last week, maybe maybe more. Um, 538 is doing their tracker, which we've been talking about, I think, briefly yesterday. A majority were supportive of impeachment, but now it's 48.9 percent. But it's still – it's been now since they have done this basically more support than oppose. Um, and that's where they combine you know, all the different outlets that release polling. If an outlet has multiple questions because there are occasionally slight differences between impeach and remove or impeachment inquiry or impeachment and how it's asked, not major but somewhat. So when outlets have multiple questions, they average them so the outlet is not overcounted. Um, anyway, so that's that shows more support impeachment than oppose. Uh, the surge in has come from Democrats and independents but not – it hasn't not come from Republicans. It's just that surge is a little bit slighter. Um, there's been movement among Republicans since, you know, kind of before 
before the inquiry discussion really started. Um, and uh, so it's not simply just of one party. And we have a couple new outlets that have asked about this, and, and they now have multiple trend lines. So you can really see how things are changing within a specific outlet. So Quinnipiac had a question, do you think impeach, you know, it's impeach or removed? And now that's at 45% yes, 49% no. That's not that different from... September 30th, I guess it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more toward no than the September 30th. It was even 47, 47. Um, And Earlier in September, mid-September, it was all the way toward no. I mean, that really changed, you know, considerably just in the last couple weeks. Um, And then have a question that shows a different answer. And this is where question wording really matters. Given what you know, do you believe the president abuses the power of his office or don't you think so? And there, a majority say yes. And this is consistent with what the Washington Post poll showed. And I think some other polls that this like abuse of power piece is gets a, a very clearly worse answer for the president than impeachment, yes or no, or impeachment remove, yes or no. Um, you know, do you think the president has abused power? People are a lot more likely to say Yes. And this is what I wrote my column on for the examiner this week, which was about there's a difference between people who think, did what the president do? Was it okay or was it inappropriate, an abuse of power? Like, is it bad? And that being different from, is it an impeachable offense? Is it high crimes and misdemeanors? Is it treason and bribery? Is it the things that the Constitution says? Yes, you impeach a president for these things. Um, and the, on the one hand, you have a chunk of Americans that say, no, he's fine. This is this is not – if you ask was the call appropriate or inappropriate, it's like 30 percent or less who say, yeah, the call was appropriate. That's fine. Right. Not a lot of perfect uh, call people out there. Yeah. Not a lot of people think it was a perfect call. But, you know, if you're thinking about who is Trump's base, about the 30-ish percent, maybe a little less. Um, but then you have a huge chunk of people who say – look, I I think that this call was not appropriate, but I don't know that it rises to the level of impeachment. And so teasing that out, you know, are the president's actions on things like we're not going to comply with anything Congress is asking of us. Is that a good strategy or is that relying too much on the support of those who think nothing was done wrong? Does it risk alienating those who think, well, the call wasn't great, but I don't at this point think it rises to the level of impeachment? Like if you're stonewalling, what does that do to those folks in the middle? That, to me, is still an unresolved question. Yeah, and I think, you know, and lots of outlets, I'm actually interested in the way different outlets are trying to tease this out because I think there's a difference between, there may be a difference for people who say, I don't think this is worthy of impeachment or doesn't deserve impeachment or is not an impeachable offense, which is how some folks, like, is the is this specific thing an impeachable thing versus I just don't really want to deal with – I don't want Congress to deal with impeachment right now. Like it should be up to the voters or, you know, I just like it's – I can't can't handle it, which is kind of a different approach or a different objection than saying like, you know, based on what I hear, this is not an impeachable offense, which is, you know, it's just, you know, it's just like a bad thing but that is mostly benign. Is it – those are two different things. And I don't know if the questions always tease that out explicitly but i think they're you know but some questions seem to have one kind of answer category or another type of answer category for the ones who try to go into that piece but i will tell you this which is in a couple different outlets and i think uh i think quinnipiac has this although we don't have it in the script and i think nbc wall street journal has it i think the washington post poll has this more disapprove of the way republicans are handling this or of the way trump is handling this than agree than disapprove of the way democrats in congress are handling this like in terms of who people think is doing a good or bad job at this like it's clearly republicans are seen as you know and trump are not handling it as well yeah approve in the washington post poll is 49% approve of the way democrats in congress have handled the inquiry 44% disapprove for Republicans, it is 33 percent approve, 56 percent disapprove. So and, – and, you know, this is a pattern that you used to – you used to see – I feel like we talked about this on a show back when Boehner was still speaker. Ah, man, we've been doing this show a long time. <laughs> Woo! Uh, where you would ask people, you know, do you approve or approve uh, – disapprove of the job so-and-so is doing and that like Republicans were always much more likely – 
to hate on Republicans in Congress (laughs) and Republican leadership in Congress. And you see this in Trump sort of dealing with his own conference in Congress, where it is very much that he feels he was able to win the White House without needing them. And so he doesn't have to listen to them when they say, hey, Mr. President, what are you doing on Syria and Turkey or things like that, which we won't talk about this week. Like Paul Ryan's numbers among Republicans were always kind of eh. And Mitch McConnell's numbers among Republicans are not. Great. Where for Donald Trump, although actually I would be interested in checking back in on those McConnell numbers in the now that a number of judges have been confirmed and things. I you wonder. may have a chance to do that. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. one day hmm. I may grant your wish in the future. Wow. <laughs> Exciting. Um, it doesn't surprise me that Republicans in Congress job approval would be low on pretty much anything um, just because it's you both don't have Democrats. You don't have independents that just hate everyone in Congress. And then you don't even have your whole own party because your own party is sort of like, well, we like Trump, but sometimes Congress doesn't back him. Yes. So there are some other things that I think are interesting in some of these polls. Um, I mean, the advantage of having these long, long time outlets is that you can go back to polling similar polling questions from Clinton impeachment. And while it's not, you know, I don't think it's. Obviously, the situations are not exactly comparable. The questions aren't exactly comparable, but still doesn't mean they're not illustrative or interesting. So this is from the current um, NBC Wall Street Journal poll where they ask this question. I need to – I can't see it either and I have my glasses on. Okay, So there's there's enough evidence for Congress. It's a three-way. Enough evidence for Congress to impeach Trump and remove him from office now. That's a very – that's like stronger than some of the other questions that go into the 538 tracker because it says there's enough evidence to remove him now, right? A quarter say that. Middle category, Congress should hold an impeachment inquiry to determine if there is enough evidence to see if he should remain or be removed. 31 percent, about a third say that, or there's not enough evidence for Congress to hold an impeachment inquiry and he should finish his term as president. That's, you know, as far as that goes. Um, And then that has a stronger, you know, a much lower there's not enough evidence than, you know, than previous questions in um, in the Trump administration. I think then, oh, yes, then they have some things. Oh, this isn't the one that has uh, Clinton tracking, but this is has the lowest now. There's not enough evidence he should finish his term than all the past times they've asked a similar three-way question. They're not all identical, but um, but in previous polls, about half said, you know, they don't need, they shouldn't hold impeachment hearings. Trump should finish his term. So now there's been a big drop. That's in the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. Um, then they have a question about, you know, will the recent allegations against Trump, will it affect his ability to lead the country? Will seriously affect his ability or will not seriously affect? About half say will not seriously affect under Clinton it was kind of all over the place. At times, you know, a majority said it will seriously affect. And at times people said a majority said it will not seriously affect. This is where the volunteered response was that I thought you would be amused by. Where? Three percent of people volunteer in response to this question. He already didn't have the ability to lead the country before this event. So it wasn't even an option. But three percent of Americans like volunteered that to the call center when they got called. Yeah. So I loved, I do love that. I, I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> that is funny. That's a good one. Well, thank you, coders. But yeah, that's, I mean, because it was funny because I missed that completely. And I had this thought like, well, what if you were like, he can't do And I was like, I have a volunteer answer category. I knew you would. I knew you <laughs> <It's> would. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. There it is. Anyway, see? Voters are just like me. Okay, so here's another thing. <laughs> I am the three percent. Okay, so here's here's why I also think is really interesting. Just by the way, because these two things, this is like sub subplots of all of this. One is Rudy Giuliani's numbers and how they've changed. So the same NBC Wall Street Journal poll goes back to December of 2001 tracking of approval rating for Rudy Giuliani. And there he had 61% very positive, just at the top box. America's mayor. America's mayor. He had 84% total positive, okay? Now he is 12% very positive and 30% very negative, the highest very negative he's had ever in any of these, like, I can't count them, but like 12 or 13 or so different points in time over time. A complete reversal. I remember in 2007, people being very bullish on like 
I'm going to go work for Rudy Giuliani's presidential campaign. And like that he and he was going to be the guy who was like the moderate, you know, that like it's just kind of wild to think about that, that in that election, when he was running in that yeah. primary, he was kind of running as like the moderate. I think he was running as pro-choice. Yep, like pro-gay I mean, rights. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, so just it's been a long thir- 12, 13 years. Yeah, that Rudy Giuliani was a little bit more popular than the current version. <laughs> the current version, um, he, he's now an increase in, in don't know. I mean, that's the other thing, an increase of like – I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> haven't haven't heard of him. We, um, we also have a trend line for Joe Biden that yeah. goes back – what's that first year? 2004. Yes. Uh, in 2004, half of America did not know who Joe Biden is. That's not where we're at nowadays. No. People know who Joe Biden now is. Now the don't know. Unlike the Rudy Giuliani don't know, which has gone up, <laughs> the, the Joe Biden don't know has gone down. So now it's in single digits. And, you know, people have asked this question, you know, um, recently, like, oh, what does all this mean for Joe Biden? His approval rating is basically unchanged since August. Slightly fewer negative, essentially, you know, but not let's call it the same. You know, you could call it basically the same. Although it looks much less positive than they asked it in January 2017 and January 2018. That doesn't necessarily mean Biden's done something really wrong no, to it's trigger being a it. Candidate. It's just being a candidate and you're in the mix. But that that is a big shift for sure. Even if it's you can't necessarily pinpoint like why it changed beyond he became a candidate he when became, you're in the arena. Yes, pretty, you know, he became a candidate saw. as opposed to you know a, a former vice president. Now he's a candidate for president. So if you are a Republican or you know you're just you know you have thoughts on the on the contest, you might have a different thought, right? And that's he's not just seen, that guy making a cameo on Parks and Rec, right? Exactly. Oh, he did that. No, I missed that. I oh, you that. missed the whole. Oh yeah, Leslie Nope, like. She can barely like form a sentence because she's so in love with him. Yeah, I've been watching. Anyway, it's great. I have. I've been watching just the full R- Richard Madden canon, so I haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> I haven't gotten to Parks and Rec archives. I'm going to need you to start watching Succession so that we can talk. <laughs> oh, I about... have been watching Succession. Are you in season two yet? No. Okay. Well, I'm so you're you're not one. yet at Chivroy's wardrobe being great. She, yeah, uh, I saw you post she... that. And I was like, hmm, I don't know, but okay. And mm, I, I do enjoy it because it makes me feel like an excellent parent and wife. I'm like, <laughs> I am crushing this life thing. Like. I <laughs> I'm like so nice. I mean, look, I have never think I never think Logan I'm as nice Roy as I am when I'm watching Succession. Not a high <laughs> bar. Well, all of them basically. <laughs> I'm like, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I am not like a character on Succession. <laughs> like, like that's basically that's how I feel. Anyway, but my husband was like, it's too dark. We're, do- we're we need a break. I'm like, no, I need more. <laughs> no, just think of Succession as like dark comedy prestige television Arrested Development. Yeah, and if you just think sure. of it that way, it's excellent. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> I mean, I I just like I, I like a little bit more escapism, tip, which is why I wasn't in it before. I like a little bit more escapism from work, you know, and from politics. I just want to watch like drunk millennials and hot British people like doing things that don't have anything to do with politics at all or the media and so those and, are also my interests and so, so. then I feel like I can really <laughs> relax you know so succession is not quite as relaxing but um, but it does have some other benefits anyway uh, anything else we want to hit on impeachment uh, before we move on I, did I yes so the other thing that I want to note is there was an NRCC poll that came out in Politico and this was a poll done for the NRCC, presented to the caucus, you know, sometimes these things leak, whether they leak deliberately or they leak accidentally. Um, it's It doesn't, you know, was there a, a separate larger version? I don't know. But it seemed like the moral of this story here was like, it's OK, guys, you can keep on being against impeachment and there's not going to be really any consequence for Republicans. There's a much more of a consequence for Democrats. That was sort of the theme of the poll and it was short. It was like, um, you know, 10 slides or so. And, you know, uh, there were a couple things that I wanted to know. One, this is sort of, I, you know, one, it wasn't that there was any one question that you could look at and say this question was not asked correctly per se. I mean, you could have different points of view about how to ask them. It was what was left out and like what is the story that that it tells? Like does it tell an overly optimistic – I mean in my view the answer to this question is yes. It tells an overly optimistic story about what – 
the consequences might be for targeted members of Congress of either party. That's not consistent with any of the other public polling that shows people support an inquiry. They feel that the president's done something wrong, that he acts like he's above the law. He's, you know, lies more than past presidents, that Republicans aren't handling it as well as Democrats are. Like, all these numbers that we talked about that are pretty consistent with each other. Um, and this survey, this presentation presents a story that is completely at odds with that. And so, you know, are you presenting a like, you know, is the purpose of this, you know, presentation to say, OK, if you're going to be on this side, here's the best way to talk about it? Or is the purpose to say like, oh, here are some watch out points for folks who are going to be in contested races? Um, you know, it doesn't seem to me like they tested a bunch of different messages on one side versus a bunch of different messages on the other side to kind of see all – explore all the different angles. Um, they landed on kind of one, which is – or two, which is like this shouldn't go on forever and you know there needs to be a, an end date to it and let's focus more on other issues, quote unquote issues of the day as it's called in the presentation, issues of the day like healthcare and such. Um and and so that's, you know, so it, those two messages seem to be, quote unquote, winners, but it doesn't look like it's fully pressure tested. Right. And so, you know, when you are in the abstract presenting to folks, are you giving them good news or are you giving them like here's the actual news? And to me, this looks like an overly rosy point of view, given all the other things that are out publicly. Um, and then the thing that, you know, I think a f- couple folks online noted is one of the first slides, how they combine a variety of different answer categories to kind of give this sense, you know, they combine appropriate and non-impeachable. Like, so you're, you know, adding the folks, you know, in this like giant blue bar that shows, that seems to suggest that people agree with the Republican position because it's adding the kind of the perfect call people to the people who are like, well, this is inappropriate, but I don't think it's impeachable. And adding it to this like, ta-da, this is all good news when those groups are not the same. And there's one part of that group that it can very well move, you know, and, do are, you know, is this giving a good, is this giving people a clear-eyed view on what the pitfall is. Are you giving the audience of this deck a clear eye view of what the pitfalls are for yourself? So that was, those were my reactions to this. Yeah, I mean, that's to the point I made about my column earlier that I think, you know, you've got this chunk of people that say the call was appropriate and perfect and fine and not a big deal. But I am most interested in studying the group that you cannot see teased out in this particular slide, but that has been merged in with the perfect call people because they're the ones who... Look, you know, Trump can rally his base on this for sure. But increasingly, as we approach next November, it's not just about rallying your base. It's about can you win over voters in the middle um, who may not like you but may not like the Democratic candidate. And even if they don't think that the call was impeachable, um, they may be persuadable on that question if they think the call was wrong or they think the president's actions are wrong. And so – I, I would just be interested in further studying that group. Right. I mean, so they right. So they have like, for example, this trade off like, would you support a Democrat who, you know, says we should impeach and remove the president or a Republican who says like it's up for the voters to decide? And, you know, that's an interesting trade off. But is that the only tra- is that how voters will perceive the debate? And, you know, it's it's likely not going to be the only thing a Democratic candidate for Congress will say about themselves. And so, you know, are you presenting a, you know, we talked about, we've talked about this a lot. Like, are you presenting the other side's message in a way that's true to what they're going to say about themselves? Not just what you're going to say, but what the other side's going to say. Are you anticipating what they're going to say? And this poll seems to suggest that Democrats are going to out there saying, you know, we don't care about health care. We just want to get the president out of office, that big beginning and end of my, our message. And that's not a very clear-eyed view of what Democrats in these d- districts are going to say about themselves. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about two of my least favorite things, socialism and beats. <laughs> <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. 
Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. All right, we're back. So Pew Research Center, which has tracked data on what people think about socialism and capitalism for quite some time, has some new data out that also includes some open-ended questions asking people not just do they have a positive or negative view of socialism and capitalism, but why do they have a positive or negative view? Pew finds overall over half of Americans have a negative view of socialism, 55 percent. And when they ask them why of that grouping, you wind up with most sort of say that either it hasn't worked in the past, they generally feel negative, they feel that it undermines democracy and is not right for the U.S. or that it undermines work ethic. Of those who are positive about socialism, which is 42 percent, 31 percent of people in the survey say they say it creates a fairer, more generous system. Interestingly, one in five say it builds upon and improves capitalism. They do not view it as black and white. And this is something I found in research for many of my clients. I have a lot of clients that are like, Kristen, you study the kids these days. I hear that my grandkids like socialism. Oh, no, what's happening? Can I just tell them about Venezuela? And then they will stop liking socialism. Right. And my research has generally found, no, that if you can tell them all you want about Venezuela and that may be news to them, but it's actually – it's kind of talking past them. That, right. that They do not want the government to seize the means of production. They do not want a strong federal system that control. they do not want a command They want economy. help with health care and child care and college and such. Right. And so the definition of socialism that you, somebody who remembers the Cold War, might have is probably different than what your grandchild has. Um, and this survey kind of bears some of that out. Um, they gave some of the verbatim responses in the survey, why do you have a negative view of socialism? Why do you have a positive view of capitalism? Those sorts of things. Um, those who have a positive view of socialism, you know, some of them talk about, you know, believing that you can have uh, like libraries is a reason why they like socialism. Um and so when they then ask, if I follow up and they say, do you have a positive or negative view of capitalism? Two to one margin people say they have a positive view of capitalism versus uh, versus have a negative view. Of those who say it is negative, they think it's exploitative. They think it is uh, benefits only the few. Um, but of those who think it's positive, they think it promotes individual opportunity. Um, there were some really interesting open ends on this one as well. There's one in the why do you have a negative view of capitalism that to me reads like something. I feel like this is like the Ross Douthat critique of capitalism, which is money seems so important to some people that they have forgotten their manners and how to follow the rule of law. It's a very like a like an almost like a paleocon like yeah. <laughs> approach toward why capitalism is bad. You know what I found interesting about these open ends. And so they're open ends that people are writing. And obviously when people write, it's different than when they speak. So they give they think it over and they can use the backspace and edit their words maybe a little bit more than when they say something in a focus group. And the verbatims they note are edited lightly for grammar and spelling. So I don't believe that they kind of added words to it, but just kind of took out spelling errors and that sort of thing. Um, but these open ends sound a lot more complex and nuanced and, and thorough than than an open-end somebody would say in a focus group when you talk to people in a focus group. and I feel like they're choosing the most well-spoken Right. Ones. And so, you know, is it useful? And I try to do this in a report where you have lots of slides about open-ends, not, you know, these four, where you are showing open-ends that show that people don't understand. You know, you need it to show, like, you know, confusion or ambivalence. Those are findings. You know, it doesn't mean something's yep. wrong, even though it doesn't make for a very sexy quote. If people are like, well, I don't know. I don't really understand what you're talking about, you know, but that's still a finding, um, uh, even if it's a short quote, right? But some of these quotes are very, the, very this, well my, informed. My <laughs> in man, comma, man, comma, 66, yeah. uh, down in the positive capitalism, I'm like, 
definitely he's working at AEI. (laughs) Capitalism in America has done more to raise people out of poverty than any other economic system. It encourages innovation, invention, and growth. I'm like, I certainly know you. (laughs) I mean, definitely that one at least is more plain English than some of these other ones. Um, What was one of the other ones? Um, There was one in the there was one in the socialism where I thought. those strengthening our social networks one. Yeah, or Demo- like it kills incentives. I believe in individual freedoms and choice. Socialism kills incentives for people to innovate and climb the ladder. Oh, I'm skeptical of its long-term sustainability with regard to budget considerations. I mean, that just doesn't sound like I think private language. ownership of capitalism gives more flexibility than social ownership and is more clearly defined. I mean, these... That th- is a man, <laughs> comma, 23. Wow. <laughs> A twist. <laughs> it's a generation zier. <laughs> Is that like one of the folks you you've met along when you speak to college students, right? Um, probably. Yeah. So probably. I mean, the you know they just sound, you know, people with very well thought out opinions of socialism and capitalism. I'm sure there's lots of like things that are in you know internally inconsistent in the what people say they like or dislike. Like what about the things we've spoken about in you know on the show before where people are like, yeah, I don't like socialism because I'm I'm worried about social issues, right? I mean, where's that quote, right? But somebody probably said something like that. Yep. Well and I, I'm gonna have Jocelyn Kylie from Pew on the trend line this week and I will ask her, okay, how representative are these right. open ends of the full picture? Because right. they are – these are very – these are great open-ends responses, but they're they're like – they're very smart. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that the American people are not smart. They just no. think about other topics other than this. And the confusion about what the terms mean is an important piece of this, which I don't see yes. reflective in these Well, it, but I do think in the coding, the fact yes. that they flag that a large proportion of people who are positive about socialism – are positive about socialism because they think it like supports capitalism. Right. That they think these two things can work hand in hand rather than being systems that are opposed to one another. That's a really interesting and valuable yes. finding. Yes. Um, so related, but not from the same Pew study, but something that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, and we've talked about this trade-off question before. I have quibbles with it, but there's been tracking for, you know, for a thousand years about, you know, whether people would prefer smaller government with fewer services versus bigger government with more services. And, you know, my quibble with it is, you know, you don't see folks on the left saying, big government, more services. Like, that's not on the sign. You know, there's no stand at the Tacoma Park street fair next to the RBG mugs that has big government, more services, you know, exclamation point. Like, that's just not the rallying cry. (laughs) on the left, you know. Um, But at any rate, even with that. um, But I would say smaller government, yes. Fewer services, no. no, But for Democrats, I think you would say more services, yes. Bigger government, no. Like for you guys, half of that might be on your T-shirt. For us, half of it might be on our T-shirt. Yes. But I think both sides would say more versus fewer services does not really kind of tell you enough about what we're talking about. Correct. Correct. Um, So regardless, it is now basically evenly divided between smaller and bigger. Um, with party, the biggest divide, the, any of the other demographic divides on this are probably related to party more. I mean, we don't know mm-hmm. all the different, you know, subgroups, but the difference in gender, I suspect, is more about a difference in party than a difference in gender. But maybe the difference not. in age is actually smaller than I might have expected. I know, I agreed. So, so maybe, maybe it's not just about party. I mean, I'd be interested, like. You know, dem men versus non-dem men, dem women versus non-dem women. You know, what what do we see in age, right? Because the age break is not as different. So, but usually younger people are are more, or I guess less Republican, I should say, than older people. So, I'm curious. But there's not a lot of difference within Repu- different types of Republicans versus different different types of Democrats. They're you know pretty consistent within with amongst themselves. So that's from that study, and also there. So you know, kind of overall. Big party differences on how people feel about big versus small government. Mm-hmm. When they ask about all kinds of different federal government agencies, you actually don't see a big party difference for most of these. Like, but I think that's really interesting. Um, I mean, they asked about you know FBI, IRS, Federal Reserve, EPA. I mean, everybody loves NASA. 
you know, NASA, right? Okay, Census Bureau. Hey, most people are favorable toward the Census Bureau, and there's no party difference at all, which is completely different from what all the kind of national coverage about what's going on at the census. But the fact that there's no difference there, I think, is interesting. But, you know, there are some party difference on some of these, for sure. The IRS, the FBI, um, ICE has got the biggest one, of course. Um, You know, Department of Justice, et cetera, like some things you would expect here to have. But still, I think given how big the party difference is in like more versus, you know, bigger versus smaller government and on government, broadly speaking, to see in this in the aggregate, not very big party differences on individual federal agencies, I think, to you know, is a good thing. I think that's like a lovely thing. This is like a gold, like a silver lining in you know, four years of polling clouds that we look at in partisanship. Like this is one of the few things where we see not a lot of party differences. NASA and the National Park Service are both great. And if you are in the 13 to 14 percent of Americans who do not like them, we need to have a conversation. Postal Service, one of the most popular. Yeah. Not a big party divide. You know. CDC. Yeah. Quite popular. Yeah. Although if you play Pandemic Legacy, well, I don't want to spoil it, but (laughs) strange things are afoot at the CDC in that particular board game. Don't worry about it. It's a fun way to kill a weekend. So anyway, so I just thought that was worth flagging. Um, Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about vegetables. Yes. I love vegetables. Top 10 most popular vegetables, according to studyfinds.org. I think this was... Commissioned by Dr. Prager's, which is for my fellow parents of young children, you could get like sweet potato tots in the shape of a dinosaur or kale tots in the shape of a teddy bear. I got texted this link by my buddy Mike, who lives in Denver and with whom I had a significant beats debate. I'm always having beats debates with my friends, and I find this to be a very polarizing topic. I don't really know anybody who's like in the middle of the road on beats. Um, in this survey, they find the top 10 most popular vegetables. 91% love corn. Right. Not a surprise. With mayonnaise. Well, with mayonnaise, <laughs> deep fried. I'm with... now, I've, I've come around. Oh, I didn't even tell yes. our audience that I had. I went down to Texas and I had. Did you have an elote? I did. And it was good. Right. It's good. Yeah, it was good. It makes corn slightly more interesting. You know, with uh, Old Bay is good. It was called something different. Like, it was off the cob. It was not on the cob when it was served Mm. to me. It was in a bowl. But it was with the, like, the cheese and the stuff that you had described. Yes. It was tasty. Uh, Potatoes, 91%. I do love a good potato. That's the single most challenging thing for me. If I ever try to, like, eat healthy and lose weight, it's like, oh. French fries, hash browns. Yeah. Anything involving fried potatoes is like very tough for me. You just make all that stuff with sweet potatoes. Um, Most hated vegetables. Turnips. You know, I don't think people have even had a turnip. I think they're just like responding. I mean, turnips, there's nothing wrong with turnips. 27%. They are totally neutral. Is this... uh, Brussels sprouts, that's an old-fashioned view toward Brussels sprouts when they were just boiled little baby cabbages. Now they're roasted in bacon and maple syrup. Like, they've completely become a new thing. Have you seen that Portlandia sketch about... Okay. (laughs) No, but I'm sure I've lived... Whatever you're going to say about Brussels sprouts in Portlandia, I'm sure I've experienced in real life. Okay, so I can explain (laughs) this in, like, 30 seconds. It is... I think it's Steve Buscemi is playing, like, Big Celery, and they have a board meeting where it's, like... Big celery, big carrot, big Brussels sprout. Like they're all around a table. And the the boss is like praising Brussels sprouts for like, good job, you. You've improved sales and popularity yes. so much in the last few years. Celery, you need to figure it out. And he turn and he, he's investigating and figures out that the reason why Brussels sprouts has been able uh, to move ahead is that they made like a dirty deal with bacon. <laughs> like they went, like the, it, it's That's good. like the, so yes, he's got to figure out how can he as big celery, like cut a deal with bacon. Yes. I'm pretty sure this is Portlandia. Yeah. No, it's as opposed to the Tacoma Park Street Festival. Yeah. Maybe it's not Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Maybe it, it was Fred Armisen. No, it's because that's, that's his show. That's but I fair. swear Steve Buscemi is involved in this somehow. I think that's totally fair. I'll research it later. I mean, I, so, you know, I didn't used to, oh, I mean, I used to be a vegetarian, but I didn't always eat a lot of vegetables. And then I had a, like lots of ulcers for a long, long time. And then, you know, most ulcers can be cured with antibiotics, but my, my ulcers were not. My ulcers were cured by, 
changing my diet and eating more vegetables. So I eat a lot of vegetables to the point that now my kids kind of laugh at me and said, you know, mom, for your birthday party, do you want a fruit and vegetable theme? Like they think like maybe, you know, just like I like PJ Masks. Maybe mom, mommy wants a fruit and vegetable themed birthday party. No, mommy wants a Richard Madden themed (laughs) birthday party. I just want one thing (laughs) for my birthday. Uh, Beets, 26% say they dislike beets. I'm disappointed in New America that it's not higher because uh, beets They're, are trash. They can be very versatile. If I want to eat dirt, I'll eat dirt. No, you clean them or peel them or roast them. There's all that kinds doesn't of make things. them feel less, taste less like dirt. They still taste like no, dirt. No, they can be sweet. Yes, all these things are you lovely. You can mix sugar in now, with dirt butter, and it still butternut tastes squash. like dirt. <laughs> that is crazy. Butternut squash, I think people just don't know, just don't know, haven't had it recently. Butternut, butternut squash, squash is, is like, you know. And radishes, I understand the dislike of radishes in that the first thing I ever grew in my garden when I was a little kid grew a radish because they're super easy to grow. If you want to teach your kids about gardening, you can even start now. It's the fall. Now's the perfect time to plant some winter mm. radishes. They grow better now than they do in super hot weather. Um, they grow super fast. But I, as a kid, like yank it out of the ground, rinse it off, and I'm like, sweet, bite into it like it's an apple. Right. Don't do that. Yes. Do not recommend. Yes. Um, but now I'm growing radishes and I'm trying to grow those big like daikon radishes because oh, yeah. I want to pickle them. Yeah. When I go to Korean restaurants and they bring out the like platter with a whole bunch of different yes. pickled things, I just inhale daikon radishes. Yes. So Radishes I wanna, are great. I need to DIY it. They are all they are all great. I mean all these things are great. I think um yeah, there's nothing on here on this like I hate list that I dislike, honestly. I mean, turnips are forgettable, but I would not put them in the hate column. How different are turnips and parsnips? Because I like like parsnip puree. They're not that different. Is that I like think a turnips, fancy foofy I think thing to turnips, say? No, they are similar. I think turnips are probably a little bit more bitter than parsnips. You know, I think parsnips are kind of like um, a meek carrot. <laughs> like just a blah carrot. You know, they're just kind of a little blah. Like they also, they all, all together, all the whole group of them with bacon and maple syrup makes them and a little char. They're great. So, but here was the thing that was shocking was that one in four say they've never eaten a vegetable. That can't possibly be. That seems a little high. That just means, I think there's got to be something with the scale or, you know, the problem with self-report. Um, the average person only includes veggies in a third of their meals. That I believe. Yes. That I believe. That's probably true. Okay. Well, now that my household is bankrolled by big salad, I am. I have I'm, to become much more pro-vegetable. Yes. Vegetables are great. They're delicious. Okay. Key findings. Keep your eyes wide open, folks, in upcoming impeachment polling. Don't be like Kristen. And don't stare directly at the light in the studio while your eyes are still dilated. And keep listening to the pollsters for those fresh beats. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Kay Soltis-Anderson or www.thepolsters.com. Thanks. Bye.